and you're live. Welcome to Mind of a Man. I'm your host, Elder James Jones, my co-host Toby here, and we have a wonderful, exciting, and I mean truly exciting guest. Uh, we're going to be introducing her soon, or we're going to allow her to introduce herself. But uh, a follow-up from our last session was about relationships and who was going to be a leader in those relationships. And I always find it very interesting about our last subject and um, my, my, my dear co-host Toby there kind of made me laugh about these, um, these different leaderships that takes place in relationships. And um, very interesting that who would take relationships and our, our uh, host had um, said she didn't mind if a man took, uh, took the lead. Uh, but basically, as long as he knows what he was doing and what he was talking about, she didn't mind following. But uh, I will say this in about leader leadership and relationships. Um, we had a saying about military. We know if you we know when we see it, and we know how you conduct yourself as that leader if we're going to follow or not. Um, but with no further ado, we have an interesting topic today. We're very excited. Uh, my co-host said he's ready to dive in head first, not feet first. Uh, and today's subject is leadership in finance. Uh, and it's very interesting because in today's society in the 21st century, well, let me take it back even further. Growing up in my time, a lot of people, unless they took um, economics, um, really didn't get into finances like that. Um, I will tell you that my time in, in finances had to do with high school. And when I found out that I had a, I had accounting and uh, my teacher made me go back and uh, visit those three or four sheets to find that penny, I think I was out the door then. I was out the door. Let me tell you, I was out the door. I was like, look, I'm frustrated. I'm hot. I got other classes I got to study. I thought it was just going to be some debits and some credits, and I was going to be good to go. That teacher looked at my looked at those worksheets and looked at those ledgers. Man, look at here. I was out the door. She was like, look, I started seeing red marks coming, and I, I looked at it, and she's like, she was like, Marcus, you're gonna have to um, you're gonna have to redo your paperwork and, and send it back. And I was like, really? She says, yes, all your work looked good, but you were like a penny off, and you gotta find that penny. I was like, I gotta find, I gotta go through all three of these ledgers and the books to go back and find out where I lost the penny at. And so then uh, I ended up um, really. Um, saying to myself, I might even take a second look at that, that particular situation with uh, dealing with uh, accounting. <laughs> that, was, that was taxing for a brother. I was like, look, I wasn't trying to use all my brain cells in one class. I, I got spread it around. But that was my, my real true experience with uh, dealing with finances because my parents never taught me uh, about finances. And I wanted to know. And uh, besides that, I only had like five, six people in that class. And I thought, ooh, okay, good. I, I don't have to worry about a whole lot of competition. I can go in there and thought I can glide. But you know what? I got to move on. That was my 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 little tidbit about <laughs> finances that I thought y'all would find funny. But <laughs> it is very true when you're dealing with money and you're dealing with debits and excess. And they're, they're, they're not playing with that penny, man. I was like, mm -hmm. I give you a penny. They was like, that's not the point. <laughs> so I want my, uh, our host uh, who's coming to the show and, our, and no one can introduce you better than you can introduce yourself because who knows you better than yourself? Yeah. So without further ado, please introduce yourself, ma'am. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. It just sounds like it's going to be a really fun conversation. Uh, my name is Tara Jackson, a.k.a. Madam Money. I am a personal finance influencer, expert, um, financial commentator for uh, Al Jazeera, Fox News, Black Enterprise. 
Um, a lot of people like to hear me talk about money, probably because I wrote a couple books. Uh, my freshman book was Financial Fornication. Um, I figured if sex can sell a cheeseburger, it can sell financial literacy. So I talk wow. about how I was financially promiscuous with multiple credit cards. Don't judge me. And then I ended up with financial STDs, substantially tremendous debt. And then babies need cures. So I figured, you know, I'd try to find an exit strategy to get out of these financially abusive relationships and stop getting my assets kicked. I did say asset. Um, and learn how to date financial institutions. So I teach people how to date their bank. So I figured if we can giggle and we can laugh, we can learn. And so that breaks the ice about learning about credit and learning about finances. My second book is The Four Financial Languages. This is where I delve into relationships and uh, communicating about money. And I found that there are four dominant financial languages, saving, spending, investing, and giving. And the reason why savers and spenders argue is because they're speaking different languages. So I teach people in that book how to be fiscally bilingual. And my last book or my most recent book is the Dualpreneur Bible. Dualpreneur, people that have side businesses. So it's the 10 commandments to starting a successful side business. So I'm really passionate about people starting businesses, especially people that look like us starting businesses and leveraging their job or their employment benefits to start or sustain their business or grow. Um, so yeah, other than that, I, um, I own a, a lot of people don't know this, but I own a digital company that builds websites for small business owners. I do business coaching. Um, and I also do, I'm an executive producer for virtual events for companies that want to turn their live events into hybrid or virtual events. So. I do a lot of stuff. Most people don't know the digital side of me. That's my passion. That's behind the scenes, but most people know me up in front. Other than that, I am a black woman that is so excited about being a black woman right now because everybody's trying to be a black woman right now. And I am a mother of one son and a wife of no husband yet. <laughs> How about that? You know, within these first couple of seconds that you that you said this, I have learned two or three things already. I said, God, I gotta remember that. <laughs> Woo! That's I'm awesome. just that I'm just that chick people like to talk about money too. So I'm like, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Oh, I, I do need to mention because it doesn't come up a lot, but my credentials is I am the former. Um, interim president and CEO of a credit union in Atlanta, Georgia. So I have ran a financial institution. I kind of know a little bit about what I'm talking about, a lot. And I've matriculated in the financial services industry. So I've been everything, teller, um, loan officer, VP of lending, uh, collections manager, operations, VP, uh, you know, executive uh, president, and um, a, a CEO of a financial institution. So I just realized that financial institutions, we're playing the game of chess, but consumers are playing checkers. And so I decided that I wanted to teach consumers the art of the financial services game so they have a fighting chance to win. Whether they choose to play or not, that's their choice. But as long as they understand the rules, because banks aren't cheating, they're just playing by a different set of rules that we're accustomed to. So that's where my passion is. Um, when I left the financial services industry, I repented, turned from my wicked ways, and became a consumer advocate. And that's where the matter money came in. Go I'm ahead, General. I'm still go ahead, General. I'm still Look, trying to try he's to trying to consume the information. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Outstanding. What anything else you would like to to say? Huh. Oh, I got a lot to say, but um, anything. Um, yeah, going back, James, to what you were talking about with your first experience with finances, a lot of people get intimidated about um, managing their finances because they do think that you have to be an accountant to do that. And I, I did. I, I was going to a major in accounting. And like you, um, once I couldn't find that penny, I was like, yeah, I'm tapping out. I'm out. I'm out. I mean, I, I got to accounting, too. And I was like, no, this is not for me. Um, but it really has nothing to do with managing your money. As long as you can add and subtract, you're pretty good. And most people that say that they're not good with money are spenders. And this is how I tell them that, yeah, you are good with money. Because if you see a sale and you go out of sale, 
and it's 10% off, you know how to do that math. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me you don't know how to do math, right? So right. we we can figure that out. I can tell you how much I'm going to spend and where I'm going to spend it because I'm a spender, right? So it, it's more about your relationship and how comfortable you are with how you communicate about money and, and, and how you need to be communicated to about money. And once you understand that, everything else is gravy. It's one of those things, how much is coming in, how much is going out. So don't be intimidated by a budget. Now, here's the thing though. Most of us, if you're a spender like me, don't judge me, but if you're a spender like me, we hate to hear the word budget. We hear diet, die, deprivation, I can't, no. And we just don't have time for that negativity in our life, right? right? We like to spend money. So what caters to us is semantics, but we need a spending plan. Teach me how to spend on savings. Teach me how to spend on investment. Teach me how to save on giving because we are transactional creatures. That transaction um, releases that endorphin, that serotonin, that can be, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars, if we do the transaction, we feel good. We feel something. And so we, you know, and we'll talk about this later, but each language should be respected in and of its No, They're not better than the other. Um, but yeah, I just want to say that don't be intimidated by having to do a spending plan or a budget. If you can add and subtract, especially if you know what that percentage of the sale, how much you going to get off. If you can figure that out without a calculator, you're good. I'm trying to make it pass after I get through the sale. She might want to go to a restaurant, do my ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, but my, my question is, how do we um, get a, the next generation involved? And it, it seems like they are tech savvy and they have the, the where we of, of using the concepts digitally, but it does not seem the rubber meets the road with them financially with um with their money it, well, it just it's seems a, like they, they spend a lot i'm sorry go ahead no it's a couple things one it's not really taught in the schools so it's not really a priority thing right it's probably not taught at home because parents can't teach what they don't know or what they don't feel like comfortable with um and and also even if the parent knows it and but the parent doesn't want the child to know the financial situation they're not going to share financial advice. They're not going to teach their children there. So it's something that a child has to be taught. The child is taught how to speak English. The child is taught how to read. The child is taught um, even how to do electronics. Most of the time nowadays, when the child, we want to shut them up, we put an iPhone or we put a tablet in front of them and they learn how to do that before they can even talk, right? right. So it's a matter of if it has to be taught. And I, I deal with several families where it can be fun, where the entire family can learn together, especially if you want to invest. I call it the um, the, the shopping scavenger hunt or whatever, right? Uh, we right. do a scavenger hunt. My son and I would do a scavenger hunt. And what we bought the most, if it was a name brand, we would find out if it's publicly traded. If it's publicly traded or, you know, the only publicly traded, we see what the, the cost per share is. And if we buy it a lot, say if we bought... Um, toilet paper or whatever a lot, and that brand is publicly traded, how much is it per share? Well, let's buy one or two shares because now we're going to buy from a store we own. So that teaches us both about investing. That's why he owns several shares in Nikes because he wanted to buy Nikes all the time. And I said, I'm not going to buy you a pair of Nikes until you can afford to buy the same amount in shares. And at the time, Nike was like 50 bucks. And so all, all he had to do, he, it was $200 pair of shoes. Are you kidding me? But the point was, if I'm going to buy these shoes, I need to buy it from a store that you own. So we got four shares. He saved up money. He could have bought his own shoes, but I wanted him to understand ownership. How does it feel as a woman of color raising a young man and teaching him financial responsibility to his generation? Does he reflect that? Does he? Well, let me say it this way. When he goes out and he with his partners or with his his girlfriend, does does it show up? Um, no. Uh, let me tell you why. The younger they are, the more they'll listen to their parents. The older they get, the more the parents don't know what the hell they're talking about, right? Right. Right. So I could tell my son something, and I do this to, to, to this day. He's 26. 
I will tell my son something in his own best interest. He swears that I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if my sister or a stranger tells him something or tells him the same thing, it's yeah. gospel, it's law. It must be right. <laughs> so how I have to go through that is I have to tell my sister, look, I've already said this to him. I need you to repeat it and say it to him. Because right. if he hears it from someone other than me, he's probably going to execute it, right? Right. But, uh, you know, at, the, at that age in their 20s, they're trying to find themselves. They're trying to learn on their own. They want to be independent. So they may be a little bit rebellious on what you tell them to do because they don't right. want to be told what to do, but they still want you to pay their bills. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. So now I have to, you know, if you want to continue to be fiscally irresponsible, you can't come to ATM, you know, automatic teller mommy to right. get money. Now you're going to have to be hungry because you spent all your money too soon. Right. Right. So right. the lessons are not just what we say and what we taught and what we do. Sometimes they're going to have to learn their own lessons. They're going to have to feel right. that the oven is hot, you know, and yeah. as parents, I, that's what we try not to help have them do. Yeah. I caught mine's on the back end because I have so many of them that. You have so many kids. Them, well, we raised a total of 11, me and my wife. Ooh, bless so, your heart. My my youngest uh, is 20. And so uh, we kind of got off kilted with her with, okay, she's so smart and intelligent, but she's making unwise decisions. And well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish. No, go ahead. Well, a, a lot of kids nowadays, and nobody really wants to admit it, but they're very entitled, right? Because okay. We, you know, as parents, we're like, I want our kids to have better. You know, I want to, you know, I want them to have what they want, especially if they do good in school, we're going to give them what they want. So by the time they reach the age of accountability, they're used to being catered to as far as that's concerned. They don't right. know that, you know, they don't know anything else. I did good grades, give me money. That's what they know. I'm a good girl, give me money. That's what they know. As long as they're good, and as long as we do what we tell them to do, we got them. That's what mm -hmm. they know. So they grow up with this entitled thing. So when we say, oh, no, you got to work for your money. You got to do this. They're kind of in shock. Like, wait, what? <laughs> you got to go to work? What are, what are you talking about? You know, right. I'm in college. I'm doing good. I got A's. You, you know what I mean? Right. So at, at some point, when do we say that? Because um, with my son, I started doing that. I started feeling bad because I worked so much. So I used to buy him stuff to right. compensate, right? And then I had to stop because then he would always expect me to buy him stuff. I'm like, oh, right. we're not going to play this game. So right. now he has to work for the money, whether he starts his own business, whether he gets a job, whether he does his chores. <clears throat> he's going to have to put forth an effort to earn the money, not just because he's cute and, and he's a good, good boy or he has, does good grades in school. So right. I'm not saying this about your daughter, but a lot of kids now, they have this entitlement that you should be doing this. You're my parent. You should be taking care of me. You should do this. You have all this money. Why can't you give me some? <laughs> no. They need to come back to our time. That's <laughs> not the game we're playing here. <laughs> well, so, go, go ahead, ahead, Toby. No, 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 go ahead. There was something you wanted to bring up because I wanted I wanted to move Miss Tara now on the relationship level. And your relationship when it comes to finances. But I'm 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 a pause. Go ahead, James. I'm gonna wait. I got something. I got something for Miss Tara. All right. Um, my 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 two of the biggest things I, I found about uh, my generation and the next generation. One of the the biggest lackers is understanding relationships. The next biggest lack that we don't understand very well is about finances, and I, I find that both of them are a tragedy or a train wreck that was waiting to happen. And it looked like no one in my entire family understood money. And then on the other half, I'm looking at parents, I'm looking at all these mom and dads. They knew they're like uh, gambling at a crapshoot with relationships. Ah, this one didn't do good. He don't make enough money. She don't look fine. Ah, she spends too much. It was a crapshoot with relationships and a train wreck with money. And I was saying to myself, how do we get out of this situation? 
I was uh, listening to someone, I forgot the lady's name. She's like, I had a PhD and in economics, and then I ended up <laughs> with so much debt. And she was like, how can this be? And I have a PhD and I have these degrees and I, and I was making six figures, but yet I'm in so much debt. And she had to literally, uh, what she said was really retrain her whole way of thinking or her mind on thinking of money. What do you think about that, madam? Well, again, economics is not really personal finance in that respect, right? right. Um, personal economics, you can call it that economics, but if you have a degree in it, you, you know, you're probably book smart in it. But when it comes to tactical, practical, um, you, you probably aren't good because you haven't learned how to do it in your language, right? Right. So I, I, I got a good grade in Spanish, but I can't speak it anymore. I had to do it in high school, but you know, I can say that I knew Spanish and French, but I don't do it every day. It's not tactful and practical. So I don't know how to speak it that well. So, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah. You may have an economics degree, but if you can't translate that into personal finance and you don't have the discipline and you're trying to do something that's really off of your language that you're comfortable with, then you are, it is a recipe for failure. It, you know, right. it just is. And it's something that has to be taught early on in life because the older we get, the more we're set in our ways and the harder it is. I, I, I equate it to metabolism, right? And losing weight. When I was younger, I can eat whatever I wanted. This metabolism thing was amazing. If I knew how powerful it was, I would have bottled it up so I can save it for my 40s, right? right. In my 20s, I could eat whatever I wanted. I'm still slim and fine and whatever, right? Or I'll go right. exercise for a week and I'm back down to whatever. The older I get, that metabolism thing stopped working. I don't know what happened, but it just stopped working like it used to. So <laughs> I can't, you know, I, I can look at a piece of cake and gain five pounds and it'd take me a year to lose it, right? Right. So the older we get, the harder things are, the more effort we have to put into what we want to accomplish, right? right? And if we don't start young and start doing, whether it's a healthy lifestyle younger or a wealthy lifestyle younger, it's gonna be harder for us to do. It's gonna take more effort and more money to get to where we want to go. And it's not to say that we can't do it. It's just now it's gonna require more discipline and nobody likes that D word. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I I, 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 you know, and we're all disciplined in doing stuff. Sometimes we're disciplined in doing things that are not healthy. Sometimes we're disciplined in doing things that are not in our best interest. So we all have a discipline, but sometimes we don't want to be disciplined in the things that we know is going to help us because it doesn't feel good initially. Like my butt really needs to be in the gym every single day, right? Right. So, so I can get disciplined and go into the gym. But I know the first week or two weeks of going to the gym, I'm going to be in pain. But the first thing we do, we don't run to the pain. We try to run away from the pain. So I want to run someplace where it's going to be pleasurable, which is probably at a bar. Don't judge me and eating something. <laughs> so I have to change my discipline from that every time I want to go eat something to being disciplined and going to the gym. But we got to get our mind ready for it. And a lot of people say they want something, but they're not mentally ready to do what it takes to get it. Right, right. Toby, go ahead with your question. Yeah. So, <laughs> thanks, General. Uh, <laughs> so, on the relationship platforms, um, I come from a from an era where um, my mom and dad they never bring anything when it comes to finances. They never bring it together. So everybody is designated. Who pays this bill? Who pays that bill? They negotiate and they figure this thing. They figure this thing out. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. How my parents survived that, I don't know. But now, fast forward, 2022. Miss Tao, what what is your perspective from like if you're in a relationship with someone, who runs the bills? Who's taking care of what bill, that bill, or whatnot? And how do you prepare yourselves for a financial, a, pros, a prosperous financial future? Awesome. Before I answer that question, I want to ask you a question, right? Mm -hmm. If you go to the doctor 
and you say, this is what I want. This, I want to get healthy. I want to do this. And they gave you, well, this is what my other, you know, um, person did. Now, this other person is completely different, completely opposite of you. Okay. He could be a, a, a white dude with lots of hair, really skinny and really short. Right. Mm -hmm. But he wants a different health thing. But what if the doctor gave you the same prescription or the same method as that other guy? Would that serve you? No, not necessarily. No, it would no. not serve you, right? No. So when we go to the doctor, we go to the doctor based on our situation. So we can get a prescription to handle our needs, our, our health goals, right? And I say that to say is that if you're talking about who should control the money, it depends on the couple, you know, and how they want to communicate communicate about money. There are some mm -hmm. couples that do keep it separate, and that helps to keep the peace. That helps keep them married, you know, because one may be a saver, one may be a spender. Because if the spender starts spending the saver's money, the saver's going to hoard and hide the cash, and that's going to cause all kinds of conflict, right? Mm -hmm. But you may have a couple that puts everything together. But then they all have their own little side um, accounts. I call them side piece accounts, but that's another story. But they all have their own side piece accounts so they can do whatever they want on the side, whatever that doesn't affect the household bills. Okay, so a side piece account so that y'all don't really. Most people say they have a checking and a savings account, right? But what they really have is a side piece account. Don't judge me, right? Because every time the main checking account can't give them what they want, they go and tap that asset. I said asset. And the, the account is always depleted because that side piece account can't give them what they need because it's always depleted. So what most people need to do is have a mama account, a reverence account, that savings account that's not tied to the checking account. So it takes more effort to get to it and you set the money and forget it. So you put them out a certain amount of money, you set it, automatic deposit, set it and forgive it, uh, forget it. Because when you need something, mama can always give you what you need, but she may not give you what you want, right? So a lot of people, when they're looking at that savings account that's tied to the checking account for the automatic draft, or, you know, they subcon they, um, they just need to know, I'm going to get paid, I'm going to put $200 in the savings account, but right before they get paid again, they always have to tap into that $200. I, it's a psychological thing, right? So you feel like you you have enough money, and you really don't. So they, the couple, the, one of the couples that I dealt with, they put everything together, but they had those side accounts so that they could do whatever they wanted with the money. Then I dealt with a couple that he decided he was going to pay the mortgage. She was going to pay for everything else. And then everything else was separate. And if they had personal debts, they paid their personal debt. I had one guy, he said, my wife is not paying a bill. I wish he was single. She was sick, but he was not going to let her pay a bill. He paid for everything and whatever she made, she was able to do whatever she wanted with him. It was important for him to take care of her and he paid for everything. So I say that it depends on the marriage. It depends on the situation. It depends on how comfortable you are with communicating. Because most of the time, if you have a problem communicating about money, it's not just about money. You probably have a communication issue anyway. Um, with my experience, over 10 years experience with working with marriage counselors and pastors um, dealing with couples therapy, they called me in to be able to translate or, to translate, um, or interpret and translate what each other were saying about money. And most of the time, if it was a communication issue about money, they had communications issues, period, right? And so, you know, I always say maybe it's time to get a third party to come in to have the conversation and help you all to interpret and translate what each other's saying so you can find the best way to manage your finances together. Okay. You got another one, Toby? He, 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 so, like he don't like my answer. No, no, your answer's good, <laughs> believe me. I, I have a fiance who's just like you, just like you. She's, she's more, she's a spender, I'm the saver. So I, I, I'm the saver. So I always remind her, and I know she she's she gonna drop kick me when she catch me when I say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> I always say, okay, 
before you go out there and spend, sometimes she will ask for my card. You know, before you go out there and spend, let me show you what we got. So you could use your head because you're a very intelligent woman. So you can use your head and know what to do. Okay. So just, she's, I'm, I'm gotten, gonna... she's gotten better. She's gotten better. She's gotten way better. And I'm really happy about that. Before it's like I used to say the Lord's Prayer, but not anymore. I'm gonna need so, you to read my book and I'm gonna need you one, stop talking down to your fiance. No, I'm not. Right? I'm not because I'm your, not your language, about. your language of saving. See, see, James, the problem is that savers and investors um are very um what do you call it? Um don't say cheap because um, I'm not judgmental. All right. An investor says, if you just invest your money and shut up and just do what I tell you to do, you're going to be all right. A saver says, if you just stop spending and save your money, you're going to be all right, right? And a spender and a giver, we looking at both of them like, all oh, y'all can kiss, you know, you know what I mean, right? Right. Okay. Because y'all don't know how to talk to us. You think you're better than we are. And you'll say, no, we don't. No, we don't. Yes, you do. But we're all the same. We are all the same. Now, how I would communicate is, babe, you know what? We have about $200 to spend. How are you going to spend it? Right. And let her determine. But we need boundaries. As, as spenders, we need boundaries. Right. Don't tell us what we can't do, because I promise you, if you tell her that she can't spend money or not to spend money, she's going to spend your money, her money, and everybody else's money. I can attest to that. That would be me. Tell me not to spend money? Bet, bet, bet. Yep. Really? But if you say, you know what, babe, I checked our spending account and everything. We have $200. We have $300. We have $500 to spend. She probably already knows as soon as you say the number, what she's going to spend. Whether it's using her mind, her heart, her feelings, her emotions or whatever, she already knows. Right. That is so true. That is so true. But if you if you give us boundaries, because if you say, well, we need to look at the budget as soon as she, I promise you, maybe I know it's me. As soon as I hear budget, I'm cringe. Oh, so you telling me because we when we hear budget, we hear that we can't spend. When a saver hears budget, it is it is I can control. Right. So when I, when a saver hears budget, they need safety, security, and control. A budget right. allows them to tell the money where it's going to go. Right. Okay. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Okay. A spender. Hey, this just is learning. You know, pay attention. You learn something. I'm learning. So mm -hmm. a, for a spender, a budget tells us a complete opposite. That's why semantics help or semantics work. Because our pledging principle is spending. So, yeah, we need to spend on savings. And also, tell me, I'm, I'm going to give you this little hint for your girlfriend. Right? It's not that she can't save. We save to spend, right? We don't save for a rainy day and we don't save just, just for no reason, okay? Because it's raining outside, can we spend some money? It's just like um, window shopping. I think that's the most asinine thing ever. It makes no sense to me at all. Window shopping, it's like being hungry, going to a steakhouse, and not buying any steak. We're just going to look at it. I don't know. But if I'm saving because we're going on a cruise, or I'm saving because we're going to buy a house, or I'm saving because my future self, Juanita, who wants a boyfriend and um, wants to travel, and it's going to cost a lot of money, Sarah's going to have to save now so Juanita can live her best life later. So we save to spend. So when you say, babe, we need to start saving money, we're going to want to know, well, what are we saving for? So the concept of saving for a rainy day, it's not applicable. I'm not saying it's not. For you, it is. For us, saving for a rainy day serves no purpose. Now, it may be an emergency. Your rainy day fund may be an emergency. It may be so that we'll have cash in case we need it. We need a little bit more than it's a rainy day because I promise you we'll take it literally. And if it's raining outside, we got money to spend. Now that's not everybody, but for the most part, it just doesn't compute to us because we, we're gonna save the money, but what are we going to spend it on later? Why are we saving this money? 
savers just like to save money just to have it. You like to see the money grow. And if your savings account gets below a certain threshold, you'll freak the you'll freak the hell out. You probably will. <laughs> Watch my mouth. I need deliverance, y'all. Forgive me. Well, am, I, am, I, am I right or am I wrong about that? No, 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 you, you're right. I like to save because I want to invest and spread things out. Okay, so when you say, because most times savers are not investors. Okay. Right? The reason why is because savers, again, need safety, security, and control. Investors understand that the re reward is relative to the risk. Savers don't like risk. They don't want to lose their money. So mm -hmm. if you are an investor and you understand risk, that can be something different because a lot of my couples, I have a saver and an investor and the saver is scared because the investor <laughs> wants to take the money and invest it. And the saver's like, they're gonna lose all of my money. I need to hide my money. So every time they ask the saver for money, the saver's always broke. They may have 50 million in the bank somewhere, but if you ask them for money, they're broke. I, I ain't got no cash on me. I, I ain't got nothing in that account. How do you tell a how do you tell your spouse or relationship? How do you tell them no? This is not ethical to me. This is just a general question. How do you tell your spouse no? If she wants, if he or she wants something from you, wants some money, and she knows you have it, and you tell her no without without he or she taking it personal, like where is he putting the money at? Who's he giving the money to? Or oh, this and that. How do you approach an individual like that? The this has got nothing way, to do with me. So all right. <laughs> the same way a person, same way a person would say no about something else, right? If you just say no without giving an explanation, the person is going to be suspect. You, you know what I mean? So if you say, no, I don't, I don't have it to spend on that. You know, I'm saving it for this or whatever. If you give them reason, they don't have to like the reason, but if you just say no, and they know you got the money and you just going to say no, then that you leads tell them to why you said no, make sure you tell them yeah. why you said no. Okay. I mean, if you, okay. And for the marriage folks, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, I'll say for the marriage folks, if your husband or wife wants to have sex and you say no and you just say no and you repeatedly say no the other person's probably going to want to know why are you sick you got a headache what you see in somebody else what, what what's going on it's it's back to the communication issue okay and if you say okay. because i said so that's a recipe for disaster yeah <laughs> you would be really foolish to say something like that Either man or woman, that would be man a very, woman, very yeah. foolish move. Very foolish move. So, yeah. um, okay, James, hand the ball back to you. Oh, he's tapping <laughs> out. He's tapping out. I'm not yeah, tapping out. out. No, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming. Keep going. Um, <laughs> I'm hand the ball well, back. To <laughs> since we on relationships, um, madam, let me ask you this: We in the 21st century. Uh, we are people of color who uh, we know there are a lot of um, come from broken homes, a lot of um, a lot of poor decision making when it came to relationships. Uh, we're talking about leadership, but let's get on to that subject of relationships with blended families when it comes to finances and well, when it comes to dealing with money and finances as a whole in that blended family, um, how do you approach that and it in its earliest stages? I, I know about communication, but um, you know, when, when it comes to blended families, that takes on a whole different tone and subject with um, the financial leadership role there, because you might have a, both of them might be saviors, but both of them ends might not be meeting as well and trying to get to that threshold to towards retirement with that blended family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that needs a, that's a conversation that needs to happen early in the relationship, because when you're talking about blended family and depending on how, you know, how old or um, young the children are, 
There could be um, alimony that's involved. It could be child support that's involved. And those conversations as far as the expenses and what's going out um, needs to be discussed because you, you know, someone may be getting alimony, you know, uh, the alimony and child support, but if they get married, the alimony is going away. So that reduces the income that they're receiving. The other person may be paying the um, alimony or child support. And so that takes away from there. You know, they may be making good money, but because they got to pay that out, it reduces the household income. So you have to come together and just be honest, you know, having those honest conversations. If you're going to be married, honesty up front is very important. It's probably the hardest thing to do. You know, we could probably tell you who we slept with or whatever, but nobody wants to talk about the crap credit. Nobody wants to talk about, you know, the fact that they're not really saving, that they're not really budgeting and all that stuff. On the financial side, we really want to look like we have it all together, right? right. Um, but if you can be vulnerable with each other enough to be honest, that's something that you could probably build upon or even help each other or make a decision like, look, I'm dealing with this financial things. Um, I'm going to let you handle the household finances and I'm going to give you the money to handle household finances so my financial situation won't hurt our financial finances, right? Um, right? And so when you understand your situation, you understand the financial, what's coming in and what's coming out, how much income you're get, getting in, whether it's child support, whether it's alimony or whatever with a blended family, um, job, business or whatever. And then what are your expenses that are coming out? Even when you right. come together, what you know is it a mortgage is it rent utilities and all of that now that you have more children now it's probably more food more electricity you you know um more entertainment so understanding that and i promise you that all a budget or spending plan is is how much you're getting in and how much is going out if there is a positive number great if it's a negative number you're either going to have to make more or you're going to have to spend less it's really that simple, right? The problem is we don't want to have to get another job to make more and right. we don't want to have to stop our spending habits. So you're going to have right. to figure like, I, I, I want to lose like 50 pounds, but that will require me to eat less, drink less, drink more water and exercise more. And I don't think I want to do any of that right now. There's so another option. Yeah, I can probably get liposuction, but if I if it if I don't do it right, it's gonna come back. So I still have to have some form of discipline. <laughs> True. <laughs> you, you but know, you know, so we we like quick solutions. Like the microwave. Yeah, we like the microwave, and then when we don't like the food, we blame the company, right? Not blame us. Because yeah. we probably should have cooked it instead of microwaved it. Yeah, you, they you put know. enough spice in it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Right. So, so you should have cooked yourself, but now, now we, we we want something at a restaurant, right? Well, me being who I am, I, I I enjoy cooking. Most people don't these days. I do, uh, but with those relationships and leadership roles and those and those um, financial situations, is it okay for the man who heads the household? because he makes more when income tax time comes, does he have the right to make the, the decision on where that money, when it comes in to spend? Damn. That was oh, such a setup question. Oh, such a setup question. We were setting it up for it. I was setting it up. It's but such a setup question. <laughs> So for a man, I'm sorry. <laughs> look from a male from a man's perspective, you are the head of the household. You make more money, you handle the finances, and when the, the income tax time comes, you make the decision. Now, if that's the type, so you're pretty much saying the type of relationship you're in is what I say goes. You're right. Is that what I'm hearing? You're right. That's correct. One, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with you if that is your position. Say me, we were talking about the situation, but go ahead. Okay, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with that dude <laughs> if, if it was me. Because if that's the case, again, it's not just with money, it's probably with everything else. What I say goes, which gives me an indication that there is not a lot of respect for the wife. Okay, I can see so, how you got there. So my, my whole thing is, it was probably, if you were the head of the household, I, that means I 
I trust you enough to 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 follow you as right. the head of the household. What if you're the head of the household, but I make more than you? But I okay. still I still agree that you're going to take care of the finances. You're good with the money, so you take care of the finances. So when the tax time comes, who's going to make that decision? Well, when I I'm make when, so, I, when, when the female makes more money. Well, I'm gonna be so gracious as to say, whoever has the most should have the most say so. If that's how that particular household goes, so if that is the case, then uh, she should have more of the right because she's putting in more of the tax revenue that's coming, that's going to be coming back. I'm going to tell you this that I told the other couples when they okay. asked me those phenomenal questions, right? <laughs> right. You have to determine who has the biggest fight in them and how much you have to lose right. in an argument, right? If we're arguing about something or we're, we're dealing with something and I have too much to lose, whether it's my sanity, whether it's my sleep, whether it's hearing someone nag, and my fight ain't that big in it, you're right. <laughs> you, you're right. Because it's not worth the trouble. And if you want to, if you're willing to fight that hard to be right, and I have too much to lose as far as my sanity, as far as peace in my household, right? I'll give it to you. But there are times that I have a bigger fight in me. And it just is what it is. And we're going to fight. And the other person has to say, I got too much to lose. You have it. Or we're going to have to come to a compromise. So everyone wants this cooker, cookie cookie cutter response. And if I say, yeah, he should have that. If you try that in your marriage and she knocks you the hell out, I'm just saying. It depends on the relationship. It depends on the person that you're with. Right. It depends on the personality that you're with. I would think that if Toby did that, his wife would knock him out or his fiance would knock him out or have really something to say. Right. Am right. I wrong, Toby? Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, tell me that you're wrong, Toby. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong, Toby. You know, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I My fiance is very volatile and very outspoken. So She is very vocal and passionate. She's not volatile. She She's can be passionate. volatile. No. I know, I know her. She can't be volatile. She's the sweetest woman in the world till you cross her. Hey, that is my sister from another mister. Okay. So, um, yeah. Right. So, and we've taught each other a lot. Right. She's learned so much off of me. I've learned so much off of her. You know, they've been, shoot, she's a shoot first, ask questions later. But now that we've been in each other's lives for a while, it's like she processes it before she reacts. So that's who I am. I'm more of a process guy. Right. I'm more in a methodical, do things in such a methodical and processed way, which is what I do for a living. So, but now and, he's and like- she, And she's not, you know? And she's like, no, she is not. She's like, okay, let me let me think first before I slap the hell out of this person. Um, let me think first. Let me think first. Why does this person do this? Because mm -hmm. these are the questions I ask before I react on anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, this is um, this has been really, this has been an eye opener. <laughs> mm -hmm. Our producers have already told me the kind of person you were coming in. We read up, read up on you and everything. So, kind of sort of was ready today, um, ready today. And I believe me, my dad always say, "Pay attention, son. You learn something." And you know, I really appreciate you coming in today. And general, you want to close us out because I've been told by my producers now that we're going to have a part two. Cool. Cause this ain't over yet, Miss Tara. This ain't over. <laughs> this ain't Look, over. I told you I'm here for it. Right. I'm here this, for it. <laughs> yeah. Toby would Toby wouldn't know that song, Miss Ma uh Madam. He wouldn't know that song. It's not over. I've heard the house music version of the song. It's, it's not, not over. over. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, see, I'm telling them my age now. And I'm going to be another year tomorrow. Praise God. So happy um, birthday. Thank you. Thank you. So yes, he just texted me now and said, there's a part two coming up. So please, ladies and gentlemen, there'll be a part two. 
finances and relationships next week. See, I'm about to close this thing out without the general talking. So, no, you go ahead. You know, um, so next week, everyone, if you have questions, please put your questions out there, not just for me, not just for James, the general, but for Miss Tara, because she will be back next week. Please, everyone, I cannot stress this enough because me, I'm getting married next year, and Lord knows I've learned a thing or two already with Miss Tara today. So, guys, if you're out there, please bring your questions, put it in the box or send it to our producers, and we will have these questions answered for you next week in, in one, of the, one of the segments of the show next week. So, guys, thank you so much, Miss Tara. Pay homage to you. Thank you. Thank you for, for your words of financial wisdom. Um, thank you for, for, for that. And, um, guys, everyone have a blessed rest of the week. Happy hump day Wednesday. And we will be back next week on time next week. So, so then be blessed and hug somebody. Bye guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Clock TV. Yep. Yeah. See you next week, man.